Report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. This is it. He laser clickers. Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Steven, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Today, we're discussing Season 2, Episode 1 of The Resistance, titled Into the Unknown. So this is the final season of The Resistance, as I recall. Uh, so this is, uh, this is pretty exciting. We get to pick up after where we left off in Season 1. I mean, that, that was a big cliffhanger last time. And uh, if you went to Star Wars Celebration, you did get to see the premiere. But otherwise, it's been... A good, what, six months since we found out what happened to uh, to everyone? Are the Colossus lifted into space? And where mm-hmm. are they going next? We'll find out. We'll but find first, out because basically it is the final season. So it'll be interesting where they're going to take the series in these last three episodes. It's really going to accelerate, I think. You know? Yeah. Uh, it, like the, end last, the very last few episodes of season one really started accelerating. And I think we're only going to get even more. So, uh, but, but, but before we get into that, we have a couple of announcements. The biggest piece of news, which is really exciting, um, Thrawn, The Ascendancy, a new trilogy starts in May. Um, Yeah, I'm very, when, when do we think this takes place? I'm guessing it's crunched out every, all the time in Rebels. uh, My guess is this may be like, this is probably his rise, isn't it? It's his rise to being Thrawn in the Ascendancy, the Unknown Regions. Oh, interesting. Could it be you mean like young Thrawn? That's what I think it is. Uh, I was going to say the other option is maybe he, after he jumps into hyperspace, he goes and goes back to the Chiss Ascendancy after post-Rebels, but then that would... Um, yeah, but that's going to butt up against um, um, Force Awakens and everything else. Yeah. No, I think oh. I think this is going to be young Thrawn. I well, uh-huh. if you want to look at it from that point of view, it's going to be basically his rise within the ascendancy. I am really looking forward to this book. I can't wait. And honestly, like the Thrawn books have been consistently some of the best sellers. Um, Absolutely, that Del Rey has, and it's no surprise. Like Timothy Zahn is excellent. Fantastic the Thrawn writer. books are are, yep. are are just so in 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 Thrawning, enthralling. Oh, uh, apologies. Wow. Um, and it's really no surprise that the ascendancy of, of Timothy Zahn is complete with this new trilogy. Oh, God, books. please. Please stop. <laughs> so, Just, um, no. anyway, um, yeah, next May. It's, that's really soon, too. Like, because we just got the last Thrawn book. So, they, he, he went right on into the next one. And it's a whole trilogy, too. So, we have lots of, lots more Thrawn to look forward to. Yay. Yes. Uh, also, so the, uh, New York Comic Con was actually uh, last week, and this is where all the, we had a, they had a, a publishing panel, uh, and and that's where they announced Thrawn and the Ascendancy. They also gave us some other exciting book news. There is a Clone Wars anthology coming in uh, next August, twenty twenty, August twenty fifth, and it will feature sto- short stories by Lou Anders, Tom Engelberger, Preeti Chibber. Uh, Zoreta Cordova, Sarah Beth Durst, Jason Fry, Yoon Ha Lee, Rebecca Roanhorse, Anne Ursu, and Greg Van Eekout. And um, Zoreta Cordova's short story will actually be about Ventress. So it's uh, it's a bunch of Clone Wars short stories tying into 
the Clone Wars TV series. So that's really well, cool. That's cool. I'm very excited to see what they do there. Are they turning it like that other bo- uh, that other bunch of short stories they did that certain revolved? Point of view or or which one? Certain from a certain point of view. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It I, sounds it's, like it's something. I'm not, like that. They didn't release a ton of details. I don't think, but um, that sounds really really cool. Um, there's also something else. We're not really sure what it is. This one is Project they, Luminous they, coming next year. Yeah, they've been. It's coming next year. They've been teasing it for a while. Project Luminous is this secret collaboration between Claudia Gray, Justina Ireland, Daniel Jose Older, Kevin Scott, and Charles Sewell, and it's a cross-media collaboration. So they've said that Delray, Disney Books, IDW, and Marvel are all involved, but it's super, super top secret. Um, So I don't know. Do you guys have any speculation on what this could be? Not a clue. Not a clue, but it sounds like it's going to be across a few platforms. It's going to be, it sounds like it's a huge story that's spanning all these publishers. So, yeah. My guess is this is the maybe a post episode nine story, or it's going to be a big set of stories that are filling in gaps between maybe six and seven since they'll be after the trilogy is done. Yeah, that's true. That would make sense. Mm. That's, that's where my money is, but honestly, and, I really don't know. And hopefully they're contained within each and not a story that you'd have to go into each one of these publishers to get the full story. So no, it's like, I, th- I think it's going to be some sort of like multimedia. Like it's going to be cross across multimedia story. So you'll get a, a book and a comic series and a, a younger reader and they'll, they'll have multiple stories told across all these different well, good. formats. As long as it's not just one main storyline that you have to go to each one of these publishers to get that next. Like, book one is from Delray. Disney Books has book two. IDW has three. Marvel has four. You know, if it's, if it's something where it's like one, each one of these has their own stories within this big universe that tells a bunch of different stories, works for me. That way I don't have to get the other ones if I don't need to. That's how I look at it. Yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. Yeah, um, I, I hope. I, I, I don't know. I we'll we'll probably. I'm sure you'll have to get all the different stuff to to get the full th- the full story. But mm-hmm. we'll see. Uh, okay, uh, what else they announced? They announced Alphabet Squadron Shadowfall coming in June. So we got May, June, and August there. Um, it's the second book in the Alphabet Squadron trilogy, and it'll be interesting to see what that one does. Um, you know, well, I don't know. The first Alphabet Squadron, I was not really a fan of, but eh, you know, give it, give it a chance. I'll give it a chance. Um, Aaron, uh, did you did you read Alphabet Squadron at all? I have not. Uh, it's on my to read list. Um, don't have, don't read it. Aww. I didn't say it. No, I didn't say it. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> you should like, still read I like it. Squadron books. I, yeah. I they they're fun. They are. I love those. Oh. But that one wasn't good. <laughs> yeah. Read it and judge it for yourself. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I swear to God, I thought I'd turn the mic off. Um, really, Tom? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So to be fair, like, we actually really know many people who really love the book anyway. too. Okay. Just personally, okay. I didn't like. I didn't enjoy it. Look, but there are other people there. who do really it's, like it's it. It's Ray so. Carson writing the Rise of Skywalker novelization out March third, twenty twenty. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, so we do have uh, the official novelization coming from Ray Carson. Um, Charles Sewell is writing a. Um, actually, there's there's two big things. Uh, the Star Wars uh, series is starting back up again in January after the they kind of ended it 
Uh, they're planning to end it in December. It is starting back up again, and we're starting start restarting issue number one. And this time it'll it'll be set between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, with Charles Sewell leading that. And he's also doing a Rise of Kylo Ren comic series, which I'm really excited about. Um, although I hate to say this, but like I'm not really I don't really enjoy the comics, and so just as a as a medium. Uh, I've never. Mm-hmm. I've been always been more of a novel or a, a TV show or a movie guy, and so I kind of wish like Kylo Ren's backstory and all these other backstories were being told in a different format. But hey, I'm glad they're at least telling it. Well, the best thing to do is wait until it all gets put into a graphic novel, and that way you get all no, issues. No, it's not the release. It's more of just the, oh. the format. Um, Got it. I find it less. He wants more stub- substance. Yeah, mm. yeah, and okay. a little. And I, I find it. comics tend to be a little more over the top um sometimes but that's just me personally um well they they tell a different story so mm-hmm. you, you if you were to read a novel of of you know kylo ren's backstory then you get a little bit more of his thought processes his yeah. uh reasoning his his rationalizations of things which i think would be pretty fascinating considering we don't know anything at all but <laughs> yes um, <laughs> exactly <laughs> but i mean i guess something is better than nothing yeah <laughs> yep, true yeah yeah um so that's 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 still neat to see and then of course there is a um for those of you who read star wars myths and fables which was a um it's a pretty uh, neat book about uh telling some of the 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 legends like stories within like legends and the star wars universe as if they were a myth or a fable within that universe mm-hmm. um and george mann is he's, he's coming back for a sequel called dark legends which is a dark side twist on that concept so that sounds is neat. that is coming. That sounds really cool. Yeah, yeah. So that's coming as well. Uh, also, um, we got a chance to review Vader Immortal episode two. Thank you so much to ILM X Lab for the review copy, and mm. and that's on Oculus Quest. And I have to say, it's it's pretty cool. Um, if you played the first one, I'll just give you my short re- my brief review here. Uh, if you played the first vader immortal it's very similar the first one is more centered on darth vader himself when you arrive on his uh in his castle on mustafar the second one takes you uh, a bit more underneath the castle and you get to learn more about mustafar itself and the history of mustafar um so it's very fascinating um and uh and it also introduces the concept of the force so in the first one you had lightsaber combat and you could block um, you know, uh, uh, blaster bolts and, 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 you know, slice enemies and that sort of thing. And it feels really good. Uh, I really loved that, that piece. That's one of the most fun uh, aspects, but, um, this time you actually can use the force. And so there's a little, uh, button, uh, with your, your fingers on the controller that you press almost like you're making a fist and you can grab objects and throw them around. And, you know, they, they definitely tried you- to rely Oh, sorry, you can't do that normally. Sorry, Stephen. My midi chlorine count is not as high as yours, um, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but it feels really good to to just like be able to reach out and, and throw stuff. I found it a little bit glitchy at times um, when initially trying to grab objects, but uh, that was really cool. And then later on in the game, I discovered uh, it's not really spoiled. I just didn't realize you could do this. That if you have a there's a, uh, it's not really a lightsaber. There's a, a thing that's similar to a lightsaber. I won't go into too much detail. Um, you can 
throw it with your fist and like kind of using the force and you'll do a force throw and then you're like a lightsaber force throw and it'll like throw out and it'll like come back to your hand and that once That's i discovered cool. that that was like the best feeling i just kept throwing my lightsaber there's like these you're in this room there's like these creatures attacking you i'm just like throwing my lightsaber at them you know <laughs> everywhere like if i was really a jedi i would definitely not play fair yeah <laughs> it was great i was like this seems almost too cheap or i'd like use the force and i'd pull these droids toward me and just slice them in half or i'd throw the droids into each other it was it's pretty cool. And I do like how you can use both hands. You can have your lightsaber in one hand and the force using the force with the other to throw them around and you're throwing your lightsaber and it, it, it feels they did a really good job. Um, <laughs> so I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, if you have an Oculus quest, um, they, they did, uh, I, I think they improved the movement. So the, in, in episode one, uh, or added an option to improve the movement. In episode one, the obviously you can look around. You, you know, it feels like you're in this virtual world. But if you press the the way that you move, primarily like you can you can turn and like 360 degrees. But if you want to move away from your current position, aside from like taking a step or two in any direction, to almost like lean, uh, the way you move is like pressing up on this thumbstick in your one of your the controller in your hand, and you see this little indicator pointing to a new spot on the ground a few feet away and when you let go you jump there so it's like it's like almost like a point and click but you know mm-hmm. in the first person uh so you like point at the where you want to go on the floor and you let go and you just jump there and i found it a little bit not quite realistic you know, i mean it's hard because you're in a virtual world right how are you going to move around you're only in a you know nine by nine room or something and you're trying to walk through these massive caverns and and whatnot um so obviously it's gonna be a little difficult but i just i wasn't a huge fan of that and maybe the setting was there before and i missed it in episode one i, I didn't get a chance to go back and check and i know they've updated episode one as well so maybe they patched it but that was one of my biggest complaints with episode one and i actually found in the settings this time uh there is a, an option to use the thumbstick to just walk forward as you would in normal video game it is a little bit more uh you, the potential i think to get a little more motion sick or something because it you, your body feels like you're walking forward and you're you're not <laughs> you know you're standing interesting. still <laughs> um, interesting but that was kind of nice because i just press forward and i turn my body to actually turn and i looked where i wanted to go and then i'd press forward to just walk forward um and it felt a little more immersive to me so i turned that on i was i was a big fan of that. i don't think that was in the first version but it, it it's possible it was uh but yeah overall it was really cool also there was like you've you get to fight this creature. Uh, it's kind of like a rancor. That's all I'll go into. But like, there are some legit scares with that monster. When you're, you're, you know, you're, you feel like you're in this world, and the monster comes out of nowhere. And you're like, whoa! <laughs> um, and I actually found myself like almost afraid sometimes. Like move forward, like he's gonna get me, you know. And I'm like, wait, I'm not, I'm not. He's not actually getting me. I'm in a game, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, it was really cool. I think story-wise, I preferred the first version, uh, the first episode. Um, but gameplay-wise, episode two was 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 pretty good. And you know, again, it's an hour long each episode, fifty minutes to an hour. Um, mm-hmm. But if you want more gameplay, there's a, a lightsaber dojo where you can just go and fight waves of of enemies uh, for as long as you want. <laughs> 
they did a great job. That sounds like fun. It's really fun. Yeah. Uh, highly recommend it. And, uh, and next time I see you, all of you guys, I'll have to let you play it if you, if you haven't tried it already. But it's it's really good. So, so I have to ask, is K2SO in there kind of giving you heck to sit there and press buttons to make sure it's in the proper sequence? And each time you get it wrong, he's still <laughs> yelling at you. And then you have to have somebody behind you yell, shoot the panel. Like Vader. Uh, uh, like... Uh, um, uh, uh, the void. The, the, the void. Secrets of the void. Oh, yeah. No, is um, yeah. There you go. Yeah, Sorry. secrets of the. That's the crazy empire. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, I, I have an eight foot poster of that thing, so love it very oh, well. Yeah. I love it so much. I don't know why I was blinking on it. Nice. I, oh, I love that. If you haven't, by the way, if you haven't tried that before, you you're missing out. That it, it yeah. is fantastic. If yeah, that's definitely, if you're in a city that has it's, secrets of the empire, I, do it. Yeah. And, and that's all I remember in the game. We're sitting there walking around and William's behind me yelling, shoot the panel, shoot the panel. I can't understand what's going on. The panel just explodes because <laughs> he shot the panel. <laughs> you weren't shooting the panel. No. You, anyway, we got to get on to the show. <laughs> the, actual, the actual reason the actual we're here. Show. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, I know this is it's fun to talk VR, but when you're a guy who doesn't have it, it's kind of like, you know, it's fun to listen to, but uh, I see you're twiddling my thumb. Don't feel bad, Tom. We outnumber William here. It's okay. <laughs> okay. I will let you guys play it next time I next time I see you. Um, but Tom, we're yes. actually here to review Star Wars Resistance, the season premiere. The show is back. The Ooh, final, back. the final season. Uh, and boy, it's going to be fun getting into the final season because wouldn't you believe that for season two, episode one, the title is called "Into the Unknown." This was written by Stephen Melching, directed by Brad Rowe. And basically the show revolves around after being launched into space by Kaz and the crew, the Colossus encounters engineering problems, which are made worse by a mysterious stowaway. Mm. Who could it be? Very, very sneaky. Yeah, you know that little stowaway was going to come back anyway, but we need to get into this whole episode because, you know, it's really cool to see these little spigles or whatever they're called. They they look like... they look like seagulls or cross between seagulls and pelicans. Yes. But yeah, the thing I liked about the beginning of this episode actually is the fact that, you know, we spent so much time on Castellan last season, almost the entire time on Castellan, mm-hmm. right? In season one. And so it really felt kind of like resistance to just resume on that same planet. And they're on mm-hmm. Castellan and totally made sense. Honestly, gonna, I love how it, it ties back to the end of the episode last season too like yeah. you see the aftermath all these destroyed tie fighters and ships and mm-hmm. the wreckage it just it they're just especially because you know it, it's been a while since i've seen the last episode of uh previous season like it just right. it immediately brings it all back yeah and, and it, it's and the fact that they start ahead. with the on this on the spiegel right you think it's just like the spiegel first the little bird and then it zooms out, and you do, then you see the wreckage, wreckage like you mentioned, Stephen. And then the camera pans up into space, and uh, we get we go to the the first order star destroyer, and it really takes you like, oh, here, look, here's here's Castellan, like any other episode would start. Wait, no, there was a huge destruction. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. And then it pans up. Nope, just kidding. We're not on the planet anymore. We're in space. And it was really, really <laughs> well done. And it's a great way to close last season and open this season by basically there goes the past. This is now the future going into the final season. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, and I'm really glad they ended up going this route because I think originally they were going to have the episode just begin in a marketplace, you know, and some citizens were blaming Kaz for what's going on with the Colossus. Everything. And, yeah, <laughs> I mean, but well, you know, when, when Kaz pe- is to blame for everything. So yes, when when people don't. <laughs> That's what blame, he does. When do they not blame Kaz? And rightly so. Uh, <laughs> but and they moved up all the first order stuff too, which is which was which was cool. I think it would have been odd if they did try to start it out with everybody in the marketplace play, uh, blaming Kaz. It just to to start the episode this way, going into your final season, it's almost like you're because if they were to have put this second, it wouldn't have wrapped up the the first season going into and launching the second season. It would have just been an odd start. Yeah, I'm yeah. happy they did it this way. Yeah, it sets the tone. Yeah, it does. Because. Yeah. Because to set a tone of everybody getting mad at Kaz, it's almost like you're you're bringing back part of what happened last season because Kaz was being blamed for almost everything. And you're just carrying that into this season, which that's not the point going into the final season. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, the episode starts with... This episode was a bit lighter on Tam Part 2, uh, which we'll discuss in a few days, really goes into to more detail, uh, and that's all we'll say. But um, you know, it starts with Cap, you know, Commander Pyre um, confronting Tam, and he's like, "Oh, I want to hear everything about your friends." And they 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 really drive home that they don't want the uh, the the Colossus getting into Leia's hands because you know Leia could and the, and the Resistance could could really use it. Uh, and and then for the most part, Tam's not really in the episode until the very end when, mm-hmm. you know, Agent Tierney starts to try to woo Tam and, and you know, politely interrogate her about her friend's plot. And, and, and basically Tam's like, no, um, you know, the, the resistance just outlaw, outlaws and liars. And that's when she gets her, her uniform and her, her new name. Um, now, a quick question. Yeah. Did it, did it, kind of go by really quick but the reason why they don't want the Colossus falling into the rebellion's hands resistance hands sorry is was that originally a refueling depot Mm -hmm. or were they going to use it as a refueling depot it is a refueling depot yeah I think we knew it was a refueling depot even in the first season sorry they don't spend a lot they don't spend a lot of time talking about it so it because it took me a moment to be like is that right yeah that is that I think that is right um so yeah, you're you're not alone, Tom. Don't worry. Okay, good, yeah. good. Because yeah. it went by so quick, but it was like, okay, that kind of makes sense. Why they don't want it to fall into resistance hands? Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay, exactly. Yeah. Yep. And and while the next order, the next episode for, focuses on Tam more, we still get to see her get her her new name and her gear. Aaron, what was it like for you? Like, what what were your thoughts when we saw Tam like really officially start to join the the first order here? <laughs> um. I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, uh, I've tried to ask the showner, showrunners before, like if there's any rhyme or reason to the, the letter designations that they give. <laughs> I was wondering that, about that. I, yeah, because we hear that Finn has FN. We hear DT. Um, I think there was a DS somewhere. Um I don't even remember. There were a couple other really random ones throughout uh, uh, Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. So I, I tried to ask them. I was like, 
is there some kind of like rank order or like where they come from? What's what's the deal with the the letters? And they're like, oh, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Tam was DT five three three. It's probably somebody's initials. Yeah, so, it probably is. Um, I kind of wish there's a little more rhyme and reason, rhyme and reason between them, because like that almost seems like oh, it should be like the Death Troopers are DT blah blah blah. Right. Or, well, yeah, and yeah. and the five hundred first has kind of adopted that in right. in a way as well, because you know, of course, TKs are stormtroopers, but then TBs are scout troopers, biker scouts. Uh, TS is snowies, snow troopers. Uh, TC is clone trooper. Uh, gosh, I could run through a whole bunch of them, but but basically, like it has some kind of close resemblance to the costume that it designates so you can kind of get an idea oh tr is royal guard um tx is spec ops um of course just being a really weird nerd about armor (laughs) that that just kind of stuck with me so so kept me very curious i was like hmm what does that mean what does it mean and now i fear like we're never gonna know (laughs) A little bit but, of mystery for something like this is fun. Yeah, I guess. But, like, I don't know. I, I want to put order and in, in meaning <laughs> to you, it. Would you say you want to be the first one? First order? Steven beat me to it. Uh, yeah, I guess that would be fair. <laughs> you, you trained us well, William. <laughs> uh, you mean I br- I've, uh, I've untrained you well? Or I don't know how to... Yeah. I, I don't know. It's not important. <laughs> um, but, you know, you're right. I wish we had a little more explanation behind the name. But when when she gets the name, like, because they, they call her, well, uh, Agent Tierney loves to call her Tamara, you know, not or Tamara, not um, uh, not just Tam, her, Tam, her, her, right. her you know, her, sh- her nickname or shorter name. Uh, she goes by her full name. Uh, but then Commander Pyre gives her, a new name and from then on they, they really start referring to her as you know dt533 and it's it's oh. kind of it's kind of sad to to see uh except when you know tyranny wants to make a connection with her and yeah. it's well, yeah it's T- kind of tyranny still does yeah yeah exactly um but it's kind of like sad like oh my you know tam is she's she's joined the first order and you know, she gets her her first order uniform and really like the end of the episode is her Getting that, getting a message from Kaz and shutting it off before she listens to the entire thing, putting on her helmet, and you know, it, it seems apparent her her choice has been made, and it's it's kind of heart wrenching in some ways. And, some ways, a lot of ways, yeah, <laughs> a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, but you know, Tam's um, her 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 presence or lack thereof in the this episode really is what drives. Uh, some of the the story forward and, and some of the the emotion because she just made this choice to leave them in the season finale last year um, and you know she, while she's in this episode a little bit she's not really in it a ton and that that loss is very much felt by you know Kaz and the rest of the crew and in fact at one point he even he even accidentally calls um, Tora Tam um and uh you know and then and then later he you know he tries to send that message to her on on her her comm link even though he knows it could be seriously seriously dangerous but um you know but before he sends that message we actually you know get to see them for the first time and the way we find them we the way we're reintroduced 
just like you know the the beginning of the episode where we're introduced to the first order and colossus again the way we get to the uh to, to castellan the way we get to the colossus is is pretty cool too wouldn't, wouldn't you say tom yeah i really loved how you're sitting there watching this whole hyperspace effect and you're like flying through hyperspace and it pulls back and it's buckets eye, eye re, re, receptacle or whatever it is it honestly I have called that animation before in, in many times when it comes to Clone Wars. I think this might be the first time I call that animation for this show. I thought that was brilliantly done to basically bridge it that you are now transitioning from hyperspace onto the deck of the Colossus and they use Bucket's photoreceptor. That's what I meant, photoreceptor. It so was I thought it was really beautiful cool. shot. So cute. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's like, ooh, space. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, but you also get this. You also get this feeling that the ship is just rickety. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not been used in a while. Kind of like bucket. Yeah, just like bucket. Which actually, that was a good transition from you know hyperspace to a rickety robot, a rickety yeah. droid to a rickety spaceship. That's there true. You, you you literally see the Colossus like sparking. Yeah, uh, as it's mm-hmm. you know once it well, it, it was also space. just in battle. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Well, that's, that's exactly the point, you know. And it's it's really cool to see how how damaged it is after that battle, and that it didn't survive unscathed. And what's fast, what's more fascinating about it is, never knew that there was an actual command deck or a bridge because I guess it was it was shut it was shut so long ago. That all of a sudden they really needed at this point to get up there and reopen no one was it. using the command bridge, so what's, what's the harm, you know? Well, that's true. Well, Doza had his office, and he yeah. could control things from there. And I, I love the little details behind this, the command bridge, like the command deck. Like, for example, you know, they nobody had been there in in over 20 years, That's according to the episode guide. And so the entire crew is staffed by droids that kind of look like 4D M1N. Um, and that explains why this crew could, you know, all, they could all of a sudden fly the ship and have enough crew to man it when no one really knew that it was even a ship. Uh, it was just a bunch of deactivated droids on the command deck. Um, and it's just really cool, really cool concept. And I, I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The whole idea that the ship turns into, uh, this, the spa- station turns into a giant, giant ship. So after the jump, to hyperspace, which was almost kind of, I mean, they were, they were hoping to get close to car, but they kind of had to get out of there quickly in the last episode. And they weren't really sure where they'd end up. Turns out they were only three parsecs from Dakar, which is still like 10 light years, but you know, um, minor details, minor details. Yeah. Um, do you, what do you guys think? Would you, were you happy they ended up close to Dakar or were you, were you expecting a little more time to, to get there? What do you guys think? Uh, I didn't really mind. I mean, we know this takes place after episode seven, which means we can kind of assume by the time we get to Dakar that it's already been abandoned. So I'm actually kind of glad we start to get that out of the way relatively quickly in, inside of the season. Yeah, being that close didn't bother me at all because really, where were they going to go? And if they were going to keep jumping from system to system, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that would get old after a while. So get to the point when you can so that way they can move on to the next story point. Yep. Yeah. And I guess it also helps because like, you know, eventually they would have run out of supplies. And as we see in this right. episode, they were they were pretty much out of supplies at this point um, and out of fuel. And OK, but there was this real, you know, if they're out of fuel, they had another issue. They had a gravity issue. And, you know, when there's a gravity issue, what do you do? You go to a cantina and you go party. 
these guys need supplies. Zero G drinks are all the all the rage. Only logical. Okay, but but my my favorite character couldn't get his drink because as soon as it was poured, it came right out of there. And what do you have to do? He had to go swimming for it to try and drink it. And if I remember correct, because the gravity came on, all of a sudden he ended up. Basically, I think the liquid hit the floor first before him. Oh my gosh, I, that was actually pretty funny. As as Kaz, it was. You know, so Kaz, Kaz, and Niku, Tora, and CBR all have to set, repair the the damage to the ship, and Kaz is sitting there turning on and off the gravity, trying to get it repaired. And you know, because initially they're in zero G, and like everyone in the cantina is just slamming into the ground and floating back the up pirates again. Pirates party and having a good old time. Yeah, um, it was or. Or Al was like swimming through the air trying to catch his drink. You know, somewhere. Tom, did you did you identify with that personally? Yeah, I feel like you would. Yes, yes, I did. <laughs> yes, I totally did. Oh my gosh, yeah. Even the trans. I, I mean, again, like I feel like this show did a really this episode did a really good job on a lot of transitions. The transition from Kaz doing the repairs to uh, to the the party up in the canteen it was just really good as well. Because mm-hmm. at one point, Kaz comments on how he'd hate to be up there with the rest of the crew and how they're probably miserable. And the oh, camera yeah. starts to pan up a little bit and then quickly cuts to the party and like finishes panning up. And you see everyone just having a grand old time. Grand old and time. That, and the way they, they cut that sh- those two shots together with like you know looking at Kaz and then panning up and then finishing the pan in the cantina. It was just great. Okay. But, Bravo. but you would think you would think that these guys. Yes. You're having a party. You're running low on supplies. That that they would be just a little bit more um, um, judicial about what they're kind of wasting a thing on because you know the other thing they were having a problem was they needed coaxium, and they that was another thing about supplies. You need to figure out a way to energize your ship. If this gravity thing keeps going, you know, back and forth and back and forth, and they keep falling up and down and hitting each other, they're running out of energy which they're going to have to go get in a supply run because if they're going to keep bumping their heads, they're not going to have food because they're going to be too hurt to eat. And then with, <laughs> Tom, anyway, Tom, yeah, they're out of everything. That's the problem. They're out of everything. They, I mean, they don't they have, have, they have to get food. The they don't so they have something. They have damage. You know, the, the, the engines damaged, the defense systems are damaged. So the transmitter in the canteen relay is damaged, you know, and that's why Kazaniku and everyone just, they just want to help. Um, and, and so the, the pirates that's why they, they're partying everyone is partying and um you know and and they just want to help and it was actually interesting how at one point earlier on the episode captain doza is kind of lamenting to kaz and nico about how he hoped you know their age people their age wouldn't have had to experience this this war again but yeah that was that was kind of a nice touch in there yeah but they they did have to uh the the first order arose again and the the evil returned to the galaxy um but uh, one one thing I wasn't a big fan of. So the, the stuff in the cantina I thought was was really funny, right? I liked that part. I, I think um, that was the point of just that section. Was yeah, just to keep it light, light and airy. But it was I don't know. It was something like you could. Yeah, it was a bit over the top, but you could you could see it in like when they're having zero G and you know, it's stuff you could kind of see. The one thing that kind of bothers right before they lost. Um, uh, well, actually, there's a little inconsistency too. So like they they lost artificial gravity. And like some places it was still on and some places it was still off. So maybe that's okay. But Kaz instantly, as he's leaving to go make repairs, he falls down the stairs. Yeah. And kind of brings back more of the slapstick humor, which I wish they'd kind of move away from. 
at this point. Like the humor with the in the cantina, funny. The slapstick humor, less so. I'll, I did like the, yeah. the part where Opipit's trying to grab a sponge in Zero-G. Like, that those was things funny. are, you know. That was funny. I don't know. I'm, maybe maybe I'm just crazy, but. No. One. So while Kaz and Tora are trying to fix everything, um, th- th- there's, a, there's a revisit from a character from last season that I thought we saw the last of. And that ends up being um, MB... MB13. Or also known as the Murder Ball. Murder Ball. Yeah. Yeah. The one. Big, or BB yeah, Hate, as we used to call him. I like the BB Hate, but I think Murder Ball is going to be is a better better nickname for this one. He survived the Turbolift Shaft, though. He did not Which die in part one of No Escape. But he survived, but he survived very damaged. Which I'm which, you know. Hey, the first order can really build them, can't they? Because to survive that kind of fall and and to to basically when Tora and Cass and uh, BB-8 to go out mm-hmm. and because they have little jobs down there to go fix and they send BB-8 to go try and take care of one of the jobs, all of a sudden BB-8 doesn't come back. So they're just like, what's going on here? And it was Mimby 13 that kind of kind of sabotaged bb-8 for a bit and knocked him out did he not he did and man bb or sorry um it, i know it's, it's, it's mb13 mb13 his like cracked photoreceptor makes him look even more menacing oh, i like yeah. love it i absolutely love well, it i think even the sounds too his sound effects were the same way because they were not as crisp as a bb8 sound effect uh, cb cb23 yeah oh cb23 yeah and you gotta feel bad for cb23 like she is She's trying, and like the the shot of her scanning the dark hallway and then going mm-hmm. back to work um, felt a lot like R two scanning Padme's room as she slept in Attack of the Clones. Because I've just been rewatching Attack That's of true. the Clones, actually the, all the whole Star Wars saga. Um, as you should, I've been introducing uh, uh, my uh, my friend to them, and um, uh, and it, I had just watched Attack of the Clones, and then I rewatched the episode. I'm like, wow, this this is exactly. Ex- feels exactly like AOTC there, uh, and it was really, uh, it was really great. Uh, I-, I loved the little detail, and then all of a sudden, when en- when Murder Ball or MB13 attacks, you don't see the attack at first. You just see the camera rushing towards CB. Yeah. Um. Very creepy. Yeah. Very very nicely done. Very creepy. Yeah, and then you know Niku like hears a little scream, and perks up, but it kind of goes back to work. It was it was almost like a, a horror movie type of moment, and they definitely managed to get the um to get the, the the feel of that of that right steven do you, what did you think of the fight between um between kaz and cb or, or, or uh mb and mb all the b MB. bbcb mb all the b's <laughs> and and I, I I hate to say this I have they the BB8 sitting next to me. That's why I got BB8 mixed up because he's like right there. So it's the CB23. So yeah, yeah. I uh, I thought it was interesting. Um, again, I was maybe a little more on the slapstick side that I preferred, especially while uh, Tora is is it? Oh man, is it Tora or Tam? It's, it's Tora. Tora. It's Tora. Right. It's Tora. Yeah. Tora. Okay. While Tora is, you know, kind of fixing the panel and watching uh, MB13 and watching them just go at it in the background was pretty funny. 
a little more on the slapstick side than I prefer, but still I thought pretty funny. I, I'm sorry. I have to, I have to give our listeners a little bit of a, of a, of a look into the behind the scenes of the podcast real quick. Apparently I too was missing Tam because like, just like Kaz accidentally called Tora Tam multiple places in the show notes. I realized I also I typed noticing that. I'm noticing I that too. instead of Tora. And that's why, <laughs> and that's you. why I said Tora very carefully. <laughs> It's just that moment of like, oh yes. my gosh, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm looking at it going. Yeah, it's all over there. It's, but the it's funny thing is, I started Tora. mistyping that after the scene in which Kaz accidentally calls Tora Tam, and then from then on, I called her Tam. Oh, Tam. <laughs> like, oh my okay. gosh, what have I done? Um, but yeah, no, it was, I, it was a great, it was a great little scene, and like the disconnected. CB's disconnected head floating beside her body. Ooh. That's what I was going to mention. Yeah. That actually yeah, was Yeah, that very was a cool. That was a dark moment for the resistance, I feel. Yeah. And again, I mean, it's, it's a droid. Like I, it's nothing, but at the same time, you it's it feels dark, you know? Right. I, but, and I should add, I loved all of the scenes where you've got MB13 staring menacingly out of the shadows. Mhm. It was just really funny and very well and, done. And you got to hand it to Niku that he can actually, if I remember correct, he used his feet to fix CB23 oh, yeah. just by sitting there and, and grabbing the head and with his feet and activating the head that at a certain point to say, come on, come on. And as soon as it activated, CB23 was put back together again and off she went to go do her battle yeah. with Murderball. Meanwhile, the, the, the Murderball, like, Okay, we've seen BB BB eight, and I, I do mean BB eight, um, use uh his little uh cables uh mm. to like hold himself up, right, in the Force Awakens. Uh, you know, when the, the Falcons, you know, swerving and stuff. Um but we've never seen a BB unit um use cables quite like Murder Ball. Um to the point where like Murderball, he's like he shoots his cable out almost like he's Spider-Man, it's like a weapon. you know, slinging around uh, the hallway. Yeah, I, I was very impressed with all of that in this episode. Yeah. Like, um, there were a number of sequences with uh, why am I blanking on? Um, sorry, with CB, where you like CB is using little puffs of air to navigate in the zero G, which mm-hmm. I thought was also really really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really felt more realistic. Yeah, and, it did. And, it, it it allowed you to have this like this ball that's like super menacing when it has like electric prong and then it's using those three he's using those three cables to like co- propel himself around in either in, in, in zero G and just kinda like bounce all over. Um I was really impressed by that entire fight scene and he was able to move really it was almost like I got another Attack of the Clones reference, I guess. It was almost like Yoda in Attack of the Clones as far as like how fast like Yoda is jumping around, you know, during the fight with Dooku. Mm-hmm. Very similar to the way, you know, Murderball is like overwhelming Kaz and Tora in many ways. And, and the two of them escape. And then he, MB immediately goes and starts to uh, call the First Order and let them know where the Colossus is. Um, yeah. And of course, then, you know, Kaz, like, like propels toward uh mb and like twists try to twist his head off it was like crazy stuff <laughs> well that then and i thought one of the other cool things is just to get rid of mb 
was taking the chance of opening up the airlock and having it suck being sucked out and how MB fought so hard to not be sucked out. And if he was, he was taking, taking uh Kaz with him, mm-hmm. her at mm-hmm. murder ball. So it was a good fight. It was a very well staged, very yeah. well directed fight scene. I mean, eventually they did, they did manage to close the airlock before MB could get it back inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, a classic life or death battle. Yep. Yeah. Do you think it's the last we've seen of, of MB? Uh, no. No. I mean, probably, but I choose to believe now. <laughs> I mean, you you never know. The First Order is going to end up in that section anyway because he was able to get a signal out. You never know. They could find this beat-up MB murder ball droid flighting around a bunch of, you know, scrap heap in, in space and you know, pick them back up again. Yeah. If they do, I hope they don't fix them because it'll just keep them creepy. I do too. True. Yeah. Very true. Um. So, you know, I, man, man, I, it was it was fun. I I liked the whole the whole fight scene. Um, we didn't mention that. Um, uh, Niku does go and try to talk to the Chilidae, uh, who are down in the the maintenance sector as well, and uh, you know, <laughs> Kaz calls Vilpak uh, shell shocked, which is I appreciate it as a as a as a aficionado of puns. Um, because would you know, never have guessed he has a pun. yeah. Um, just um, as a they never really explained why the Chilidae ended up uh, I'll just say hibernating the way they, they were did. afraid of MB. Oh, because they knew MB was around. They knew MB was around, and so they were hiding in their shells. Well, then why didn't they give a warning? They talked too slow. Good point. Okay. uh, It's just a guess, but... I know, it's probably a good guess. Seems reasonable, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, It'll work. Okay. I'm good with it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it was pretty good. Also, I always think it's funny how, like, Niku says Vilpak's name. It's like he goes into a completely different accent when he says Vilpak. He's like, Vilpak? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that's basically it. Tam, she then, uh, you know, we then that this is where they cut back to Tam and she gets her new name, DT533. And uh, I do mean Tam this time, by the way. Um and you know he put, she puts on her first order. She, well, she she starts to call Kaz and uh, or, or listen to Kaz's message and shuts it off before before you know she hears the entire thing and puts on her helmet and uh, and that's it. Uh, the episode ends with her choice made. And it's kind of it is it is gut wrenching. Like oh man, Tam was she was she was one of the good guys and now she's joined the first order. And okay. I, I'm really excited to see what this sets up later in the season. You know, like when they have a, a battle against each other or like whatnot. I don't know. Do you think she really is going to join the First Order? I, I I think they might. I think they actually might make her yeah, commit to so the too. First Order. I, I think she already has. Like she didn't even listen to Kaz's message. Like if she was, if she had thoughts, wouldn't she listen to the message? Good point. No, that's a good point. Very, very, very good point. It just, there's a certain point in which Kaz is going to have to realize 
she's not coming back. I know that he he did mention um um who's the pirate girl lost um because he did see good in her yeah and it ended up being correct but there's a certain point in which Cass is going to have to realize not everybody can be turned back and if this is where Tam ends up going for her there may not be any coming back and he's just going to have to let her go maybe but then again redemption is is a major theme of Star Wars I don't know like, I, I do think theme, I do think she is well, committed, well, but I well, think she take, might come back later. Yeah, but how about how about we throw it out this way? Let's say resistance in this one in this one series, they're not they're gonna they're gonna buck the system. And there won't be a redemption. It'd be interesting. It'd be interesting. It would be very interesting. Would, I mean, I already like surprised. how they've taken the going of the good characters and made her bad now. You know, and it really makes you feel much more for the first order than just tyranny or pyre. Right. You know, there's more right. stakes, and, more emotion. And the crazy thing is, it would be more gut wrenching if she were to stay that way and not be redeemed for Tam. I mean, for Kaz and the audience. Yeah, expecting like if that you had she's going to kill her or something. You know, yeah. like they get into a fight and it'd be very, yeah. Well, I think we'll have to wait for the future and see what happens. The future. Yes, yeah. the future is unknown and always moving. You guys feel ready to review, maybe? Yeah. What do you yeah, think? I'm good. Tom? You know what? I liked the episode. It was a great way to start the second season, it's a great way to launch your series going forward into now your final season, I'm going to give it a solid 7.5. And I'm going to take my Womp Rats and see the one thing you guys don't know is it was the Womp Rats that were down way, 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 way deep in the Colossus that were actually throwing the switch for the gravity. And it wasn't that it needed to be repaired. It was just them messing with everybody saying, now it's on, now it's off. Now it's on, now it's off. It was them who were doing it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I I think it's going to be nice to them and not have them um go out the airlock with um, you know, murder ball. Reasonable, I guess. Yeah. Steven, what would you give it? Uh, I think I've, I'll give it a 7 out of 10 as well or in the same ballpark at least. It just generally generally felt like a solid kind of kickoff to the season, picks up where you left off, gives us um not quite new stakes yet, but enough of close enough that we're really getting started, I think. Um, and oh boy, I mean, you, th- you saw the droids kind of on, on the, uh, on the command deck and you thought the droids were the ones piloting the ship, but really there's another command deck on top of that command deck where my seven womp rats are the ones flying the Colossus. Ah, got it. Easy to miss, but actually very important. The, the mini command deck. No, it's full size. You just didn't. You just no one's ever gone up there in forty years, so they just had kind of forgotten. You know what? What's been happening? The Wamprat's just been like chilling up there for forty years. How long does the Wamprat live? What is the Wamprat's lifespan? These it's are things we don't time. know. You, That's a good you would be very surprised. Are there Wamprats that have lived through the Clone Wars? They they survived all of our reviews during the Clone Wars. They they survived Rebels, and now they you know we've had a few. Resistance? 
No, we've had a few. I think for some of my Womp Rats, I, I haven't, you know, given them grisly deaths. But, like, did they survive they, all of them? Maybe they, they, they made it through, you know, the harrowing uh, reviews. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I, I don't know. It's yeah. a good question. We'll yeah. find out one day. Maybe. Pro- t- probably not. <laughs> That's no. probably something they will never reveal. No. Um, I I'll give this episode seven and a half. I thought it was a d- decent start to the the season. I, you know, they they are closer to Dakar than I thought they would be. I I was kind of assuming they might bounce around for a little bit longer, trying to find their their way to Dakar. So it's cool that they're they're so close. Um, you know, they're they're just uh one you know um so one short jump away. You know, ten light years right now. Um. The, you know, and it was nice. They had to, you know, do some repairs. It felt more like a mid-season episode in some ways. It it it, it set up some True. good stuff. And I, I love what they're doing with Tam. Um, I think that's probably where the, the most of the setup was. The the main, the A-plot, I think, with the Colossus was was, was decent. Uh, and and, um, and MB-13 is, is pretty terrifying, especially with her his new... Um, broken photoreceptor so i liked all that stuff it was good it was a it was a good episode overall um uh, and i'm really excited to see what happens as we start getting closer to uh dakar and seeing where we are in the timeline are these you know is this are, are we right before like we know that hosnian prime is destroyed but is the resistance still in dakar like have they blown up star killer base yet uh i have have they already evacuated Dakar? We don't know, and I'm really excited to see what happens. So, um, absolutely, yeah, lots, lots of fun stuff. It's gonna be a good season. I'm gonna give this, this episode seven and a half Womp Rats out of ten, and my seven and a half Womp Rats. Well, they, you know, Kaz cannot figure out how to open those grates repeatedly. I think he already messed it up last season. He messed it up again. He grabbed the wrong side of the grate and just couldn't lift it. But those those seven and a half Womp Rats, they were there to help him. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Also, um, you may have heard a mysterious voice coming in and out a couple times. That is a f- good friend of the show, Aaron Victor. Uh, she um, uh, was really hoping to join us, but unfortunately uh, has been having some, uh, uh, She's a, there's a major storm where she lives right now, and she's been experiencing some uh, internet and power outages, so... Uh, so she was joining and leaving as she could, but uh, that. So if you heard her her voice, uh, that was Aaron, uh, and we want to thank her for trying to join and making the time, uh, even if she couldn't be on for the entire review. Um, uh, darn internet, but uh, but you know she she did pass along her Womp Rat rating and said she would give it seven Womp Rats. Uh, she says, quote, it was a fun episode and a lighthearted start to the season that looks to be getting pretty serious. And my Womp Rats are going to go clean up Aunt Z's and make themselves fat with all the food and drinks on the floor. <laughs> Very nice. Love it. Very Love nice. It. Signed your friendly neighborhood 501st Stormtrooper. Um, we always appreciate Aaron joining us again. I apologize yeah, she I wasn't here to say goodbye or, or even do her intro because of the, the power outages. But um, and the internet outages. But... Uh, she is always uh, a pleasure to have on the show and uh, you can find her on Twitter at Vero uh, and she is part of the, the 501st Legion. So with that, Tom, what are we reviewing next week? Well, coming up, we're back. We're, we're back week. weekly. 
Yeah, we are, which is, it? which is kind of nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, But coming up on the next Ion Cannon podcast, we are going to be reviewing Season 2, Episode 2, A Quick Salvage Run. This finds the Colossus is in dire need of hyperfuel, and Kaz suggests that they take it from a downed First Order ship. The salvage mission is compromised when the First Order shows up. Ooh. Is this the first time we get? No, we get to see one of their big star destroyers. I think last season, right? Yeah, the big big star destroyers. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay, cool. So that's coming up on the Ion Cannon podcast. The next time we meet, and we'll we'll talk to you guys soon. Have a good night, and it's good to be back, guys. I've missed this. Yeah. So do sure. I. <laughs> so do I. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. For over a decade, Ion Cannon has covered every corner of the saga, from the films and animated series like The Clone Wars and Rebels, to books, comics, games, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, ioncannoncast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter. To email us, you can do so at contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.